The Zamzo's Garden Show is sponsored by Zamzo's. The views, opinions, and advice offered by the show's hosts do not necessarily reflect those of KBOI or its parent company, Cumulus Media. KBOI makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information expressed and shall not be responsible or liable for any claims arising out of the use of or reliance upon any such information. What kind of seeds are you sowing? Why is it so green where you're from? It must be Zamzo's growing in your yard, garden, or barn. You've done it right, you see it. Got the help that you needed. Zamzo's really makes you want to come home. I'm coming home. Cause nobody knows. Like Zamzo's. It's the Nobody Knows Like Zamzo's Garden Show on News Talk KBOI. To be a part of the show, call now, 1-800-529-KBOI or 336-3700. It's the Nobody Knows Like Zamzo's Garden Show on the Big 670 KBOI. How's it going, everybody? This is the Zamzo's Garden Show, and uh, I am your host, Nolan Guthrie. I'm back, back in the studio live to talk to you about your lawns and your gardens and everything that could be going on out in there. And there probably is a whole lot of stuff going on out in the lawn and garden. It's We are in the middle of summer, and I am just kind of uh, amazed that it's already we're, it's already the 23rd of July. It's almost August already, everybody. I can't believe it. You know, before we know it, uh, this warm weather that we enjoy is going to be gone. Let's not talk about that, though. Let's talk about what's going on right now and just live in the moment and uh, get into some lawn and garden stuff. If you'd like to be a part of the show, I would love to talk to you. Please give me a call, 208-336-3700 or 1-800-529-KBOI. And I am looking forward to talking to you and hopefully uh, answering some questions for you. Or even if you just want to talk about, you know, uh, my last night, uh, my daughter uh, harvested the potatoes that were in the the backyard. I think she was a little early, um, but she's planning on a trip here in August and wasn't going to be around, so I think she wanted to get them out of the ground because she probably thought I would forget about them, and that's probably true. Uh, but the potatoes, she she harvested. She got a lot of a pretty good crop of potatoes, and what was kind of funny was my younger daughter immediately started peeling them. <laughs> so hold on a second now, Abby. We don't need to peel the potatoes just yet. We're not going to use them. We will use them. But uh, there were a lot of them. She said she just likes peeling potatoes, which I wish I had known uh, about that beforehand because she could have been helping me this entire time. So if you've uh, harvested anything uh, or you're, you're getting getting ready to do, start doing some harvesting, if your tomatoes are producing, uh, I got a picture from Jim Zamzo's uh, Friday tomato, the one he's been working on. He's trying to grow as tall as he can. Uh, it's a sweet 100, and he, he harvested his first tomatoes off of it uh, this last week. So I'm sure, I'm, I'm hoping your, your gardens are being productive, and, and we're going to get into some of that, uh, you know, ways to kind of help with that as well uh, a little bit later in the show. Uh, but I'd like to talk about a, a couple other things that were on my mind. Uh, things I've been seeing over the last few weeks, uh, just some things that I've noticed uh, people calling in and asking about uh, at uh, through zamzos.com or on our Facebook pages and stuff like that. So we'll get into some of those things here. The first thing I want to talk about, and I've, I've this is one, I don't know that I've really talked about it a lot on the show, but I think it is a really important one, uh, just discussion to ta- have, because 
this time of year, as we know, it's very hot and the lawns are growing. Hopefully they're growing. And usually some are, some weeds are growing too. So what we usually typically do is we mix up some weed killer or we buy some weed killer uh, from Zamzos and we go out and we spray our weeds as normal. But when the temperatures get really hot, we need to take on some extra precaution because it is it can be very damaging if you're spraying your weeds at the wrong time of day. Uh, using the wrong thing is a, never a good idea. But also uh, we want to make sure that we're keeping it away from certain plants. So here's the first thing I want to say. If you're going to start spraying some weeds uh, this time of year, I really want to urge you to wait until the evening. Once the temperatures get to about 90, 85, 90 and above, uh, any type of chemical that you were spraying has a chance to do what's called uh, go volatile, meaning that the 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 spray that you put out, which is going to be sprayed out in a uh, typically a very fine droplet, uh, because it's so hot, it can actually uh, evaporate and cause lots of drift. And drift is when the chemical that you're spraying actually goes into a place that you did not intend it to do, to go. So um, when you spray at those hotter temperatures, even if you spray in the morning when it's cooler, if it gets hotter, uh, that liquid can actually tend to spray. So you want something that uh, works very quickly. This is one of the things, this is why Ultra works really well, because it does dry very quickly. The plants absorb it very fast. Some of the other uh, weed killers that you use might persist for a little bit longer. But even at these high temperatures, you still need to be careful, even with something like Ultra. So I really want to urge you, if you're going to do some weed spraying, put that off until the evening. Um, as it's cooling down, preferably, you know, once it's getting below 90, 85 degrees, that's a good time to spray because then it's cooling down. You have less chance of that chemical going. Uh, I mean, once it's down that low, uh, it's not going to go volatile and spread at uh, in places that you don't want it to. The other thing you can do if you're using, um, you know, like a backpack sprayer or like a pump sprayer. Um, or even like a ready to use one that has, uh, just a trigger sprayer on it. Set the setting, uh, set the nozzle so that it's coming out at a bigger droplet. You want to adjust the droplet size. You don't want a very fine mist. You want it to come out at a very big droplet because that's going to prevent it from, uh, evaporating very quickly. And it's going to get that uh, liquid into those locations that you want it. Also, spot spraying is probably going to be your best bet or going to be ideal for this time of year. You can certainly do some of that uh, hose end sprayers um, if that's something that you prefer to do. I don't usually like the hose end sprayers because a lot of times, um, you know, you're spraying chemical over areas where there aren't any weeds. So stick to the stick to in general stick to the spot spraying your you know just the spots where your the weeds actually are you're going to save a lot of chemical it can be a little more laborious because you are you know finding each weed uh but if you add that stay put um uh marker the stay put which has that surfactant in it and also we have one that has uh, a little dye in it or you can just get the dye um but put that in there and that'll help you keep track of where those weeds are and uh, that way you're not over app applying to the entire lawn or, or you know, in areas that you've already applied. Um, so that's that's the biggest thing, because what will what tends to happen is uh, as that drifts in, what's really difficult is that 
uh, a lot of times the damage doesn't show up in your plants uh, for a couple of days. And so a lot of times it kind of gets, it's, it's hard to tell. If you get just a little bit of drift, it might not show up for a couple of days to a week before you notice any of that damage, depending on what kind of uh, plant you're dealing with. If it's a big tree, it might take weeks for that to show up. Uh, and, and once it does show up, you, usually we don't associate it with that spraying because it happened a week ago. So you definitely want to keep that in mind as you, you do these things, as you spray for weeds. Just, again, make sure that you're spraying at the evening uh, when it's cooling down. Make your droplet size bigger and then just mark it on your calendar. Note, note the day that you did it and then watch your plants around there. And once it, if you, if you do get some damage from, uh, uh, you know, unintended damage to some of those other plants, it's not necessarily a death sentence for a lot of them. It's not good for them by any means, but it doesn't mean that the plant's going to die necessarily. Uh, certainly if you get it on some drift onto like your garden, your vegetable garden, that's, you know, definitely not good. Uh, but those plants can tend to be uh, a little more, they, they might show those signs a little bit faster and it can be a lot more devastating to some of those, especially like, you know, your tomato plants or, uh, pepper plants. You really want to prevent those. So give those plants a wide berth. Just if you've got weeds near them, uh, in the lawn, the lawns next to the garden, just, you know what? Let them, let them live. <laughs> let them stick around for a while and deal with them a little bit later. Don't get too close to the garden. Uh, give them, you know, a good 10 to 15 feet away from those plants just to prevent any chance of that drift because you've been working hard on that garden. The last thing you want to do is get a little bit of drift from an herbicide and ruin all that work. It's kind of the worst thing. Uh, I mean, maybe the second worst thing that could happen out in the, the garden when you're doing something like that. Um, if you've got some plants and they do get a little bit of uh, damage from some herbicide, usually a good feeding of Thrive will make sure that they can recover and they'll bounce back. It'll just take a little bit of time. Remember, it's going to take them a while to recover from that. So uh, do those things. Remember, uh, spray in the evening, increase your droplet size, give your desirable plants a wide berth. Uh, don't spray too close to them because all of those things are going to cause issues. All right, we're going to go to a quick break. If you'd like to be a part of the show, I would love to talk to you. You can give me a call at 208-336-3700 or 1-800-529-KBY. This is the Zamzo's Garden Show. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Josh Samzo, and it's been a strange year in the vegetable garden. A cool, wet spring left our gardens wondering when summer would start. And now that it's here, it feels like we've gone from 60 degrees in rain to over 100 degrees overnight. But if your garden needs a kick in the butt to get going, Zamzo's has the products you need to help your garden get growing. Zamzo's Tomato Boom was formulated by my dad, Jim Zamzo, to be the perfect food for Idaho tomato plants to give you delicious red-ripe tomatoes and lots of them. When it comes to peppers, we have another trick up our sleeve. It's called Zamzo's Pepper Popper because that's precisely what it does. Zamzo's Pepper Popper gives you bigger, hotter, and tastier peppers, guaranteed, or we'll give you your money back. And for the rest of the garden, including your berries and fruit trees, we have Dr. Jim's Chicken Soup for the Soil. So if your garden needs a kick in the butt to get going, come see us and pick up the right products and have a garden that kicks butt. Nobody knows like Zamzo's. The Ben Shapiro Show, weekdays from 1 to 3 on News Talk KBOI. All right, we are back for part two. 
the Zamzo's Garden Show. I'm your host, Nolan Guthrie. I am live this week. I will certainly be here next weekend as well. And uh, if you'd like to be a part of the show, we're live, so you can do that. You can give me a call. I'd love to talk to you, see what's going on out in your lawn or garden, and uh, help you out with anything that might be going on. So if you want to give me a call, you can do that at 208-336-3700 or 1-800-529-KBOI. All right, let's get into a few other things uh, that I've noticed over the last few weeks. Uh, this is certainly a grasshopper year, which is kind of strange to say um, that there are years that are grasshopper years, but this is this is this seems to be a grasshopper year. They don't always show up. I mean, the grasshoppers are always around, but it seems like some years they are even more prevalent in out there. And this seems to be one of the years. Uh, last week I was driving to Lapine and we were driving through, um, out of Burns there. And I swear there were, um, I, 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 I couldn't even imagine how many grasshoppers were just jumping and flying across the roads in those fields out there. Um, and we don't have that, you know, a lot of times, and you're just driving through the, you know, town here, you're not going to see it. But a lot of people that live around the outskirts of town, it's one of the nice things about Idaho, I believe, you know, being here in Boise and Nampa and Meridian is we're really not that far away from some pretty wild areas, which is really nice, um, but it does tend to lead to some of those situations where we get a lot of grasshoppers. So I did a little bit of reading up on them, uh, trying to just get some ideas about uh, kind of their their life cycle and what they do and how they uh, explode into population. The thing about grasshoppers is there are they aren't um, a very destructive pest to a lot of things. And I, and I should preface that by saying they can be extremely destructive to lots of crops and uh, lots of different things. But typically in the landscape, they don't cause, uh, they don't kill a lot of plants. Uh, you know, your trees and shrubs, they might eat some leaves, um, but typically they're never going to defoliate an entire plant. Now in the garden, they can really do a number on certain number of plants, like your leafy vegetables, those sorts of things. They might, you know, if they're in a good enough, uh, amount, they certainly could cause some damage to your, to those plants. So we did something we probably want to be aware of and just treat for. Um, so we'll get into that here in just a second, but it looks like we got a phone call from Jim in Boise. Jim, how's it going? How can I help you today? Uh, real good. I am, uh, I have a question about pruning a tree. Okay. Um, it is a, you know, one of those flowering plum trees, the purple kind with yeah. little light pink flowers on it. Uh -huh. It, it's as tall as a two-story house. Oh, yeah. That's a good size. It's a mature uh, plum. Yeah, and uh, it, it goes pretty much straight up. But what I was trying to find out is when to prune it, and can I just cut half of that top growth off? Um. Yeah, that's a great question. So, Jim, do you, you, can, um, you can prune... Uh, kind of any time of year. The difference is how much you prune at any time of year. So right now, because it's hot, it's a big, the heat is a big stressor for plants. Um, pruning is another stressor for plants. So what we don't want to do is stack up too many stressors. So, um, you can do some pruning, but right now, what I tend to say is that the pruning that you do now should be about, um, access and safety 
And, you know, uh, if, if you are, you know, you're mowing around it and you're whapping your head into those branches every time you're mowing around that tree, go ahead and prune those limbs out, right? That's totally fine to do. If it's something where uh, a branch is broken, obviously you can take that out at any time. Those are two things you can o- kind of always do. If it's getting in your way or if it's broken, go ahead and prune that out. Now, what you're talking about doing is more like uh, what they would call a topping or a, a topping the tree, which is not always 100% recommended in a lot of cases. Um, it kind of depends on the tree um, and what kind of uh, the fancy term is called apical dominance, what kind of uh, uh, growth pattern it has. So does it, if it comes to a point, typically the plums are more of a rounded uh plant a tree once they're up a mature um so they don't have like a strong apical dominance so you can prune those down quite a bit i wouldn't recommend doing half all at once that is a a a bit too much uh that can cause some issues and the tree is honestly going to look weird um and what you want to do is prune it back um about 10 to 15 percent at a time and then Go for about six months or so, and then prune it back down another 10, 10 to 15% or so. So you want to take it down in stages. If you take it down halfway all at once, um, you, you risk uh, causing a lot of serious damage and potentially killing the tree. So do it in stages. The tree will get used to it. It'll start to put in new growth and, and kind of even out a little bit more, and uh, you'll, you won't have a real weird-looking tree for, for a while. Well, yeah, that now that new growth, I've been told that where I cut a branch, it will produce a whole lot of little branches coming off of that cut area. Um, yeah, your plums can do what is called a sucker, um, and that's where you'll get a big shoot. And that's another reason you don't want to prune it that quickly. If you do it in stages, you're going to be less likely to have those suckers because once they start producing suckers you usually can't really stop them so uh the sucker is oftentimes uh, a reaction to some sort of stress like that could be a cut on the root or it could be you know just a massive die off from a limb or a cutback of a limb so that's why you got to take it in stages so if you do it all at once then it's going to respond with those suckers yeah, this tree is it's really tall, and it, it's more vertical, and it, uh, it has a lot of vertical main branches on it. I mean, main kind of, it goes up about, oh, I would say about five feet, and then it branches into maybe 10 to 12 branches that are mm-hmm. all going up, and they really go up tall. Yeah. So those those actually could have been suckers also, um, but it, it would be tough to say without seeing them. If they're this 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 old now, um, yeah. they you know they're just established branches. So yeah, you can you can certainly do it. Um, I would do that kind of towards the fall, a little bit later uh, in the season as it's cooling down. Maybe at the end of summer, first part of fall would be fine. Um, even into um, uh, October. Uh, early November, you could still do that. But again, just do it in those stages. Um, and that should actually produce some more lateral branches and give you a little bit more of a, uh, a little bit more of a canopy if that's something you're, you'd be into. Okay. All all right. I appreciate your response. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for the call, Jim. I appreciate the call. Um, I, I never, uh, back away from a pruning question. (laughs) 
uh, I do enjoy pruning. So, uh, that is, uh, that's a great question. So, uh, what we were talking about grasshoppers was what we were talking about. So let's get into, uh, grasshoppers. It's something we want to treat for. Um, if you're seeing a major issue with grasshoppers in, uh, the, the, in your, in your area, what you'll want to do is, uh, use something like our Z1. Z1 is going to be, uh, your, your best bet for controlling the grasshoppers. And what you want to do is spray, um, you know, if you've, you know, don't spray your neighbor's yard without talking to them. Um, you know, and tell them what you're doing. But if you've got a field behind you that's empty, um, you know, spray a little bit into that area. Uh, just, just a couple foot, just a little bit of a band, spray the soil, spray the other areas around it. Um, you know, up into the trees and the shrubs, uh, you sp- spray those areas, get around the soil. Um, and if you've got a really bad problem, you might even want to go to something, uh, some of the granulars we have. We have a granular called eight. Uh, we also have some other Zamzos. Uh, I think it's, I, don't, I think it's just the Z1 granular. You can spread that into your beds and lots of those areas. And those grasshoppers will lay eggs in the soil. So if you get that stuff in, get some of those other uh, applications into the soil when they hatch out, uh, you're going to be able to control them and start to reduce those populations. So you're never going to be able to get rid of them entirely, but you can reduce them certainly. All right. Let's go ahead and hit one more break. Well, we got two more breaks, actually. Um, and we'll get to Mark and Eagle here on the other side. If you'd like to be a part of the show, give me a call, 208-336-3700 or 1-800-529-KBOI. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk KBOI. Hi, this is Jim Zamzo, and when the temperature's approaching or hitting 100 degrees, the most crucial thing your lawn, garden, and pets need is water. For your animals, they need a constant supply of fresh water. At Zamzo's, we have water bowls, fountains, and automatic dispensers that work great. Most lawns need one inch of water two to three times a week, and all your sprinkler heads need to be working and adjusted for proper coverage. In your garden, too much water on your tomatoes can cause blossom end rot. So stop by your nearest Zamzo's and let us explain the best way to water each crop. Remember, all lawns, gardens, and pets also need good nutrition. So apply some Zamzo's Humagreen to your lawn, Zamzo's Thrive to your garden, and feed your pets a quality food like Grandma Z's. Our expert help and advice is free. So if you have questions, come see us. Because since 1933, when it comes to helping you grow better, nobody knows like Zamzo's. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. All right, we are back for part three of the Zamzo's Garden Show. I'm your host, Nolan Guthrie. I'm live in studio, so if you'd like to give me a call, I have some questions, I'd love to talk to you. Give me a call at 208 336 Three seven zero zero or one eight hundred five two nine KBOI. We do have a phone call from someone named Mark and Eagle. Mark, how's it going? How can I help you today? All right, I just had this question, and I said, you know what? I'm just going to call you guys. But it's um, when I bought my house about seventeen years ago. We have a subdivision behind us that's up about three feet, and they only have four-foot fences, and I had a kind of a nasty neighbor, and I didn't want him looking down. And like, so anyways, I planted seven, I planted 18 trees seven, about seven, 17 years ago, 
and some raised areas and just, but they got too big and I've had to cut out about three of them, mm-hmm. but I want to know if there's a way to put another tree right where those trees were, but I, I haven't got a clue. Yeah. So, um, uh, what kind of trees did you plant there? Pines. Some, okay. Some pines. Um, well, they grew fast and I yeah. got rid of my mittens. So have the other, where you've taken them out, have the other plants uh, or the other trees, have they grown over? Have they filled in it at all? Or So the biggest thing with planting well, like a block like that sometimes is you, they once if they get, you know, once they get to a mature size, they start to crowd one another and that can cause yeah. some of those to... to... I was like, Go ahead. A, few years, a few years ago, I was able to take two of them out and did exactly what you said said yeah but but uh now i've got like almost like three in a row that i've had to take out mm. all together now yeah because they got this little scary looking yeah and uh but gotcha. uh, i just wondered i know you could stump them down a certain bit but i i is it like gonna like take century before you can just plant a tree right there well no you can certainly do it <laughs> you can yeah you will have to do some some work uh if you want to plant something sooner yeah you will have to do uh what the the tool you want to look for is called a stump grinder you can usually rent those at uh you know your tates yeah, I, or yeah i had them i had them use that, that to the front tree that i had to take out that but uh, um, but that only gets it to level, to my knowledge, unless you can go deeper with them. You you can, yeah, you can go a bit deeper with them, um, with a with a sump grinder, uh, for sure. Uh, if you you know, depending on the situation, I mean, if it's lots of rocks, that might be dangerous and stuff like that. But you can go down a little bit. Then what you'd probably want to do is remove some of that, dig it out, put in some new soil, new organic material. Um, but I mean, once you, once you've kind of gotten the bulk of the stump out, um, and you've, or chipped that down or done something, you might even be able to just, you know, dig it out and spread it in, uh, in that bed. Uh, once you've kind of done that, you can plant a new tree. The main thing is that you're just going to have to, in that area where you're starting, you're going to want to, you, you've got to be able to dig. So if there's a lot of root there, that's going to cause, you know, it's just going to be a tougher, tougher hole to dig because uh, you're going to run into a lot of roots um, and then backfill well, it with more soil and compost so that the the tree has at least a, a, a place to kind of get started once it gets started it's going to find places to grow trees can grow next to each other just fine yeah. uh, you know de- the dead stuff as long as they're not competing well the, my other alternative was just to go in between them yeah where they used to be well yeah and you can yeah, and you can absolutely do that as well. Um, you, you, you're going to run into the same the same kind of issue where you're going to have a lot of that root there. Um, so it's just a you know it's going to be a little bit of a tougher tougher hole to dig. Um, you know you might even uh, look at getting like a post hole digger and uh, you know start getting it started or something like that just to get something that's going to do a little bit more of that yeah, you know I, cutting work for you. I do have a post hole digger that fits on my green tractor. But it's 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 in Meridian, but I can bring it over. And I was thinking about doing that. Scare the neighbors; they already think I'm nuts. <laughs> well, they yeah, just need to yeah, get to know you, Mark. <laughs> no, they know me. They know me. They already know it. Like the only person in the neighborhood that moved in with a 16 year old boy, and usually it's the other way around, single parents. Yeah. <laughs> but now he's out of college. Okay. Well, I thank you for your show. 
Yeah, well, I appreciate I, I appreciate that, Mark. Thank you very much for calling, uh, and good luck with that. You know, it, it can certainly be done. I think honestly, you should go for the in between method. That's what I would do. Dig those holes with you know, if you got that post hole digger, go for that. I think that'll work real well for you. Just make sure you're getting new good soil in there, and always, always use some Thrive. All right, we got another phone call from Howard in Nampa. Howard, how's it going? How can I help you? Hey. Hey, it's going good. Uh, I think last year I heard you mention a product that you have that's good for killing bindweed in the lawn. Oh, yeah. Um, seems like it was Brushmaster or Bushwhacker or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, no, it's um, it's called, yeah, brush. it's a brush killer, BK, I think it's called BK32 or brush killer or something like that. Um Yes, that's the one. Um, it you know it sounds because it's talking about brush. It sounds a little bit harsher than it is, but it is a chemical that will not kill grass. So that is one of the ones I've found to work really well. The other one is um, a product that's uh, we sell called it's called Stump and Vine Killer. Um, but the chemical in that one uh, can also be mixed and sprayed on the lawn. It will not kill the grass. So either one of those work really well. I would probably, if you've got a big area, I would probably go with the brush killer um, because it's uh, a little more economical. You might um, you might have to spray you know, a, an extra time or two, um, but the, the other one comes in only an 8-ounce bottle and doesn't cover much area. But it's a chemical that's a restricted-use chemical, so we can't sell it in a large quantity. So it's just one you have to be careful with. Okay, okay. And is that like, um, is it likely you get rid of that in a season? Uh, mm. Or is are we on a, you know, kind of it's going to be a constant battle thing? Uh, well, ideally, it's not going to be a constant battle. The biggest thing I've found with bindweed is you got to be consistent. Um, just keep spraying um, and, and keep spraying until you don't see it anymore. And what's going to happen is you're going to end up kind of chasing it out of one area. You might notice it in a new area or, you know, it gets to the your property line and then then you're just kind of spraying it as it tries to come back into your property line. Uh, this bindweed is just probably the most persistent weed uh, I think I've ever dealt with in my entire life. Uh, it's it's kind of horrible. Um, but that so, uh, that brush killer will get it, but um, I you probably won't. If it's a smaller area, you might be able to get rid of it in a season, um, but chances are you probably it'll probably take you a couple. So if I'm consistent with it, I can chase it over into my neighbor's yard. <laughs> it's a chance. Chances are it's in your neighbor's yard too. But yeah, you'll you'll at least uh, <laughs> you could keep it at bay uh, at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, hey, thank you. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, brush. Yeah, it's called the brush killer. Uh, we have it at the stores. Um, you know, the ultra works on it as well. Um, but I find that if you're using one product for a while, it's a good idea to mix it up. And that brush killer, I think. Uh, is a good one to mix it up with. So, good luck with the the that Howard uh, bindweed. Ugh, it's kind of the worst. Uh, okay, hey, if you'd like to be a part of the show, I would love to talk to you. You can give me a call at two zero eight three three six three seven zero zero or one eight hundred five two nine KBY. This is the Zamzos Garden Show. I'm your host Nolan Guthrie, and we are live in studio today. So we we're talking about uh, spraying, being careful about spraying your weeds, taking care of some grubs let's talk about some garden stuff um because that sounds like a lot of fun um right now we're kind of at this point of the year where the uh uh 
everything's changing in the garden. I mean, everything's changing all the time uh, in the garden. But you know, we're in that we're getting into that hot part of the year, and so it's another kind of just moment where it's good to note some of the changes and some of the things that happen out in the garden and how we want to just react to those and be prepared for those. So uh, the first thing I want you to think about is it the, think about the varieties of tomatoes that you have. Okay. A lot of times this time of year, you'll start to see a decrease in productivity on a lot of your tomatoes. Um, particularly the ones that are like your, um, your, uh, early girls, your 4th of July's, your, um, any of your kind of smaller tomatoes. Celebrity, not so much. They'll stay a little productive. But a lot of those tomatoes will tend to, they're, they're early season potatoes. They're fast producers. And once it gets hot, they are not happy and they will really, they'll drop a lot of flowers. They, they probably won't produce a lot. So just keep that in the back of your mind as you're going out into the garden and you're noticing some of those things happening. You think, man, why isn't this tomato setting any fruit? Um, it could be that it's one of those varieties that don't like to set fruit or they just don't do as well in the heat. Uh, if you want to try to help them along a little bit, I would go ahead and pick up some of the tomato blossom set spray. Works really well to help. It just helps that, um, that blossom hold on for just a little bit longer so that it can, uh, set that fruit. Um, Tara, should we take a call or should we go to break? Okay, we're going to go to a break. We've got a bunch of phone calls that just uh, showed up, so please hold on the line. We're going to get you here in Part 4, the Zamzo's Garden Show on KBY. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk KBOI. Hi, this is Josh Zamzo, and recently a lot of customers have been flooding into Zamzo's with serious lawn problems that seem to have popped up almost overnight. The most common problem we're seeing are chinch bugs and bill bugs. These two pests can cause your lawn to turn brown in patches that keep getting bigger every day. The key is to kill these destructive insects right away and then keep them from coming back so the lawn can recover. That's why we put the two products you need to eliminate these pests together in one package. Now through Monday, July 25th, when you buy one bag of our 24-hour grub control that kills the active bugs fast and one bag of our Zamzo's duration that keeps them from coming back, you'll save $10 off the combined price of these two products. So if your lawn has begun to crash, bring us a sample and pick up both of the products you need to eliminate bill bugs and chinch bugs all for one low price, but only through July 25th at all 13 Zamzos. Nobody knows like Zamzos. News talk doesn't have to be boring. Weekday mornings from 6 to 10. It's Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. All right, we are back for part four of the Zamzo's Garden Show. I'm your host, Nolan Guthrie, and uh, we got a couple of phone calls here who have been waiting patiently, so let's get right to them and go to Dale in Caldwell. Dale, how's it going? How can I help you today? Well, sir, it's going okay. I have a uh, autumn blaze maple tree that we suspect has chlorosis. I understand that our soil is very alkaline, and they don't like that. Mm-hmm. We have tried treating it with some products that we got from Zamzo. It was a mineral replacement. Magic, 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 magic mineral, I uh-huh. it is. Yeah. And then we've also heard that, you know, Epsom salt helps reduce the alkalinity, so we put a little bit of that down, and we've used Thrive, 
and our poor tree is still looking kind of sick. Yeah, so Epsom salt's not is isn't going to be the one that reduces the alkalinity. Uh, Epsom salt as is magnesium. What you want to use is sulfur. Um, and okay. that might be okay. ultimately like, so when you, we can be putting the best stuff down there. How long have you been? Let's, let's, let's take a step back. How long have you been working on it? How long did you just start it last year or have you been trying for a couple years? It's been about three years and the, the tree is about, it's 30 plus feet tall. Yeah. Uh, it, it's been disappointing because, you know, we expected to see the, the red color in the fall and, and it, it never has done that. Yeah. And uh, we were wondering if there were some type of tree spikes or something else that we could. Um, well, yeah. there there are they they will there are tree spikes that you can get um, that can be applied uh, you know from an arborist. Um, I don't think they do a lot of those um, just over the counter anymore. Um, but there are treatments for that. You've got to be careful with something. So when you use those, you have to remember that that's going directly into the tree. It will green it up. It will do that, but it's not going to last forever, right? So you're, you're putting it in there and, uh, it's going to, it's going to do its thing. And then the next year you'll have to do it again if you want the same results. You have to keep applying it. Mm -hmm. That's why we like to try to go, you know, the soil direction, because if we can fix it in the soil, then we can Mm -hmm. start to, you know, we don't have have to worry about it um so what you doing the epsom salt is actually good because it does add magnesium which also causes a similar effect to iron chlorosis so iron chlorosis and magnesium chlorosis are actually very similar in appearance almost indistinguishable so you do want to have both of those things along with the magic mineral you've got the right stuff in the soil now we got to work on that ph i would really recommend applying some sulfur and then um Really, after that, I would say you know you might have to apply the sulfur uh, once a year. Um, apply some humigreen to it, and and just give it some time because the iron is just one of those things that the trees only take it up in the spring um, through the roots. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just got to be there. It's got to be available, and it's got to work its way into there. Now, doing the spikes, okay. they are good. I just wouldn't. I would recommend you don't do them every single year. Do it, you know, do it once. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually kind of an injection, um, and it, it goes in there. It'll do its thing. If you do it too often, you end up um, – what, what can end up happening is you end up creating these pockets in the bark in the tree where uh, it becomes a structural issue, and the tree can get to a point where it, those, those, those points won't – the tree can just have some serious damage and at some point could just fall over. Um, so mm-hmm. – so sulfur in what form? Um, a granular sulfur is what you want to get. Yeah. Okay, but sulfur. Yeah, we did. We did put some sulfur in uh, on it. Also, we got that from Zamzos, I believe, and uh, we tried that, but uh, it's still it's still awfully yellow. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. Did you say how long? Did you just start this process like this year or last year, or has it been like? Have you been doing it for like it's ten years? A, no, about three or four years we've yeah. been trying to get it to come around. Yeah, it's kind of I. Yeah, it's and you're in Caldwell. I. Yeah, you might just have to try some of those. Uh, some of those. Uh, 
those injections because it's just if this, the thing with the pH is it's just you can you can adjust it some but it's always going to go back to what it is and so we're just trying to apply that sulfur at you know if you get it on in the spring you can lower the pH allow some of that stuff and man those those trees are just they're so tough to get that fix it's it's really it's yeah. really difficult we understand we we realize now that we made a mistake putting that one in there but you know they're so pretty that I just couldn't resist it. I, mm. But we had no idea that the alkaline soil would be so detrimental to yeah. the Yeah, yeah, it's it's health, so. it's yeah. They're some of the hardest trees to grow here. Um, but yeah, I would I would maybe consider some of those uh, those spikes because you've been doing all the you know the stuff in the soils right, and it's just changing that that pH and getting that stuff available to the point where those maples want it is just uh, it's just a tough one. It's so hard. Uh-huh. Uh, Already. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, Hopefully we can, uh, hopefully one day it'll just show up and it'll be green as ever and you'll never have to worry to bid in. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, Let's go to Lori in Meridian. Lori, how's it going? How can I help you? Hi. um, I have some holes in my um, lawn. Yeah. Uh, They they started out the size of, you could put like a soda straw in and now you could probably put a good size cigar in um okay so these are like actual actual holes like uh like you can look down into it i um went to one of the big box stores and the lady said she thought they were from ants Um, uh yeah i mean if it would be i mean if you haven't seen any have you seen any ants i wouldn't no no are they showing up in the middle of the lawn, or are you seeing it around the edges of the no. lawn? This is about um, three or four feet from one of the corners of my house. Okay. Oh, so next to the house. Yeah. Okay. Um, have you tried filling them in? Do they show back up? or? No, I haven't filled them in or anything. I wanted to, I mean... Um, they're, they're, they're totally round. Uh-huh. Um, I wondered if they were like, uh, some kind of a little animal, but, um, yeah, well, the, um, there is a little animal that we, we, we can tend to get here in the Valley called a vole. It's a small, like a little mouse. Um, and they do make a small hole. Usually you don't see them Right next to the house, it's not impossible. Usually they start around the edges of the lawn, around the fence line, you know, especially if you've got like a, a field nearby. Um, but they could go, you know, did you, when you, when you notice the holes, did they have like, are they, is it like something's pushing the dirt out? Like there any kind of mound or anything around it or? No. No. Okay. I would, you know, it, I, it's tough to say if there's if there's an animal there you'd usually see some sort of sign like uh you know a mound or you might see some you know droppings or something like that um i would personally i would just try to fill them up um you know get some soil from another part of the lawn or maybe you know grab a little bag of soil and and fill those in and then just kind of watch and see what happens um it, it, chances are what something might have came out and took off and You might not have to deal with anything really but filling in a hole. Okay. All right. Thanks, Lori. I am just about out of time. Hopefully that works out for you. 
Thanks again for all the calls, everybody. I will talk to you all again here next week on the Zamzo's Garden Show on KBY. Hi, this is Joss Zamzo, and listen to what these Zamzo's customers are saying about Zamzo's Humagreen. Yes, I love Humagreen. We put it on starting in March, April, every month through September, October, and we have the nicest looking lawn on the block. But we all have the same gardener, and they can't figure out why our lawn looks so much better than theirs. It's true. Humagreen turns lawn such a deep, dark green, it really is a color all to itself. In fact, what causes your lawn to turn such a deep, dark green is the natural iron and trace minerals that are in every bag of Zamzo's Humagreen. What's more, Zamzo's Humagreen is biologically correct, so it's worry-free and friendly to kids, pets, and our environment. So take it from Andrea Kowalski of our Eagle Store. We've been doing this for five years, and our lawn is fabulous. People just come by, and they compliment us on our lawn, and what do you do? And, of course, I say, go to Zamzo's, get on the program, and use extra Humagreen. Nobody knows like Zamzo's.